This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this episode of Inside Supercars, we speak to Team 18's Charlie Swerkholt about going overseas again. As you know, it costs so much to run this, these cars and teams, and, and if there's a little bit more coming in, that helps. And if we're on the world stage, I don't think it detracts from us at all, and I think it makes uh, uh, good sense if it's all financially viable. Charlie Swerkholt talks about his team's win in Darwin and what's ahead at Sydney Motorsport Park, along with steering racks and overseas racing. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're now talking to one of the men who is uh, enjoying the afterglow of a great weekend in Darwin. Welcome back to the show, Charlie Schmerkel. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Tony and Craig. Um, yeah, really excited after the win in uh, Darwin, but it's uh, full bore, as you know, and we're getting ready for the Sydney night race, which is coming up uh, next weekend. Indeed, and I'm uh, going to the trouble to come there, Charlie, because it's been some considerable time since I've been to City Motorsport Park and would certainly like to see and talk and uh, chat to you about uh, all things present. And what we want to do, though, is really capture the impact of that win. Um, we know that you've got great, capable people both in the behind the steering wheel and in the workshop. Just tell us about the impact of that win changed things for you, if it has. <laughs> Frosty needed the win The team needed the win The sponsors needed the win And probably the guy that most needed the win was me Because it's a pretty tough old gig As you know It's, um, it's a, pre- a pretty relentless sport and, uh, and now with this new Gen 3 car It's all so close And you know When, when the qualifying is between 5 and 6 tenths of a second um, it's even harder to get the win and it's so close so it's a bit of a lottery if you get a hundred things right um, you've got a chance of winning but if you only get a couple of things wrong and then you're out so the win meant everything to me uh, someone told me I think it was a few thousand days for Frosty and and me uh, as a team owner 333 races since I had a win which is sounding terrible but Getting that win means everything. Uh, the confidence in the team, the proof that we can do it to all the sponsors, that we can, you know, we can we can actually deliver. There was no flukes there. We didn't lack into any, anything at all. It was all just hard work and, as I said, not making any mistakes. So uh, the, the guys and girls in the team, they're pretty pumped and uh, 
Um, yeah, so it, it meant everything, absolutely. You must have for a few seconds, it would have been only milliseconds, when Cam Waters' car caught on fire, not knowing exactly what had happened. That, that might have been only milliseconds, but there was a moment there where that's the front of the pack. What's happened? Did that occur to you at all, what, what had occurred? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I heard it on the radio, it's on fire, it's on fire, and I'm thinking Frosty's saying his car's on fire, and my heart just went boom. And then you saw the tally and a flame coming out the side. No, it's not our car, it's his. And uh, so, yes, there was a, a millisecond there for sure. There was probably a whole second there or two Um just to think, God, no, please, you know, we're right up the front. And sometimes Lady Luck plays in always the wrong way with me. You, you have these opportunities and we've had them at Darwin and other places before you're up the front and something goes wrong. And I thought for a second, no, no, you can't do this, no. And then, but fortunately, uh, it wasn't frosty. Uh, Cam did a great job putting the car out, but... Um, um, yeah, no, we, we got through okay, and he did an amazing job of driving to keep uh, Brock Feeney off his tail and, and uh, the others. And, uh, yeah, no, it was really – it was great watching and, yeah, a bit of a nervous moment, you know, going through the whole uh, race, but it, it was really incredible. Charlie, your car has won a championship in 2010. Between 2010, when you, you moved your licence from one team to stand alone, I was joking with Bruin Beasley, that trophy's cost you an absolute fortune. Oh, yes, probably, but I don't look at it that way. Um, I, uh, you know, I've got some great sponsors and everything that that everyone's put in, it's, it's cost me probably more time and effort than money um, it, to build up something. As I said to someone else, that it would have been easier to go and buy another team like, you know, Erebus bought Stones and Groves have bought Kellys and I think I'm the, la- I think I'm the last person to start a team from absolutely nothing. And so the achievement of building something from nothing and winning a race is, means everything to me. So... Um, that's the way it goes. What has the result meant for how the atmosphere is back in the workshop and and the going then to Townsville, knowing that this is a race-winning team, we can match it with anyone else in this lane? Yeah, no, look, the, the, there was certainly a spring in the step and there's still a spring in the step. They know that we can do it. Going to Townsville different type of racing, different strategy and everything. We still did okay, um, but um, Frosty didn't qualify well on the first race, and but he clawed back to 11th, even after getting a 15-second penalty, and then Pi got turned around in the first corner. And so you think both our cars are last and second last. So it didn't look good, but uh, as a, a, a team that can keep building and building, um, we rescued that and we got it right back to 6 and 11 and the next day was 7 and 10 or 6 and 10, something like that. So we, we didn't disgrace ourselves at all. We actually all dug in and and uh, they did a great job with strategy, et cetera, and, and making it all work. And the safety car didn't work for us on the Sunday. But I think we're going to Sydney now in next week and, and we'll, we're looking strong and uh, – 
we'll just keep pushing hard. And as I said, don't make mistakes because that's where um, the cars are so even now. Drivers are so even and, and our engineers are, have got to be really smart and, and make it all work. One of the things, of course, Charlie, you faced up to a lot of challenges because in business you're the, the forklift king of Australia. You might not consider yourself that, but anyway, I do. Thank you. The uh, the challenge of Gen 3 was something that, that you took off and as we all know that saying about taking a big bite and just chew like crazy. Um, it, it's obviously been very challenging, but you know, there are various things you've had to overcome, and I imagine that very frustrating for a lot of people in your team, the things like this steering rack issue. Yeah, look, Gen 3's been a bit of a, a um, oh, baptism of fire type of thing of trying to get this whole thing sorted. And, and I, a Bruin and Dennis said to me late last year, instead of buying complete cars and of spending all this money, why don't we build cars? And I said, you've got to have rocks in your head. How are we going to do that? And But they talked me into it, and I can see why we did it, and we understand their cars imminently, and um, that's the word, but we, we know the cars very well, intimately, that's better. And um, and we know the cars and we know what we're doing. And, and so the steering rack is a few steering rack issues and all that, but we can get on top of them. Our mechanical failures on touching wood have been very, very minimal in Gen 3. Lots of teams have had issues and and uh, we we overcome them before we get there so there's been so many challenges but life's full of challenges my business is full of big challenges and all that sort of stuff and I'm not scared of a challenge you've just got to go and uh, as you said you know work hard and overcome them and make them better and uh, that's the only way you're going to win. One of the things you've obviously gathered around you is an extremely capable enthusiastic and skilled bunch of guys and it's those very people um, that obviously have made a big impact in, in the challenge you've taken on in in building, running, and competing. But the thing that seems to be so wonderful in some ways, but obviously daunting in another, is the closeness of it all. I mean, you know, the, the 0.6 is the regular gap over a 25 cars. It's extraordinary qualifying, isn't it? Oh, incredible. Um, look... There's, you know, Gen 3 is Gen 3. That's what we've got. And, yeah, maybe it's not perfect, but I, I can tell you what, they look good. They sound good. The racing's probably close. I watched a replay last night of Townsville, the last race of trying to keep up. And there was some good passing moves from everyone there. And, yeah, no, we, we, we've, I know we've got to get it better. I, I'm probably the biggest thing is, is uh, accident damage. I hope there's not going to be massive accident damage with these cars because they're going to be quite complex to fit, fix. But um, overall, look, it's a good package and we've just got to move forward and make them the best we, we, we can. But, yes, it is incredibly, incredibly close qualifying and racing. Charlie, there's some interesting uh, other things going on outside of the the gen 3 in supercars and i'm interested in your take about going down to 24 cars and then going to singapore are they two ideas that you are uh, enthusiastic about um let's start with overseas races look if it if it one, I don't think we've got a global-looking car, even though the Camaro is going to be dying in a few years' time. I'm hearing now it's going to be 26 until there's a replacement. But And fortunately, we just follow NASCAR on the GM side, so 
So that doesn't scare me too much. But we've got a global car that looks good and it's relevant around the world. And if if there's a race that stacks up financially and and um, we can put a show on for the world and all that and make supercars relevant, I'm I'm I think it's a good thing. Um, one, it's good for. I think it's really good for staff retention. That's important to me. Looking after our staff is so important that people forget. And uh, um, it's a tough gig working at nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night on a Saturday night, getting preparing cars to get them ready. And if they can have a week over in Singapore at no cost to them and food and everything and an experience in life, and they'll think, "Wow, how good's this?" And and seeing something there, I I. I don't see any negatives as long as it financially stacks up. I think it's a good thing. So I'm I'm ticking the box on there, and and uh, and the same with other opportunities. Look, the, the owners that have bought this business, they want to invest in it, make it work, and and if there's more money coming in for team owners as well, I'm in for that as well. But um, so that makes sense for me. Going to 24 cars, look, uh, I think the model of 12 two two car teams is a good thing as well. Um, I think the, the, the overseas flights and et cetera, from my understanding, it's easier to pack 24 cars and 24 cans into the standard jumbo jet. It makes it a lot easier and, and one doesn't have to travel somewhere. So, um, yeah, if that makes sense and there's, there's um, uh, more revenue coming back, as you know, it costs so much to run this, these cars and teams and, and if there's a little bit more coming in, that helps. And if we're on the world stage, I don't think it detracts from us at all and I think it makes uh, uh, good sense if it's all financially viable. Charlie, in one of my former lives, I worked in advertising and I used to regularly take my client, the Nissan Motor Company representative, to uh, lunch at a place that you may even know, the Dandenong Club. Have you been there? I have been in there. I think it's in Stud Road. Is that right? I, I, I don't remember its location. but I think it's Stud Road. And on one of those occasions, I happened to see a man who I hold in great esteem, and I'm sure you would as well. I saw Alan Moffat having one of his sponsor lunches. And sitting there were people I knew. The guy from Ingersoll Rand, John Price from BP, somebody from DuPont. You know, just, just, there was just, and he played them like an orchestra. It was so wonderful to see a man on top of his game. I'm sure you must have, if you haven't had yet, you'll be having one soon, one of those sort of sponsor lunches. Just sit sit back and bask in the glory of it all. Yeah, correct. Look, I'm very close to my sponsors, as uh, probably you are aware that, yeah, very close to them. I've kept very close and they build with me and some of them have been, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten years, and uh, so I've had plenty of lunches with these guys, and and it's great to have a lunch uh, when you're on a high after a race, and it's also great to <laughs> introduce. Uh, oh, we've got to sign up for next year too, and uh, so yes, that's always a good time to start that conversation as well. It's better doing it when you're winning than when having a win than uh, when you're coming 25th. So, so uh, yes, I I love having my uh, I love entertaining sponsors and having a great time with them. It is it is really truly good fun because as you know we can't go racing without these sponsors. Indeed not, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Supercars. 
sharing your story. I look forward. Maybe I'll be happy with a cup of coffee, Charlie, at, at Sydney Motorsport Park. So all the very best. Look forward to seeing you back there in person. No dramas, Tony. And thanks, Craig. Thanks for uh, catching up. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Have paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.